Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on X, Twitter, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it these days, at the Lines US. You can follow myself at Eli Herskovich, and you can follow Mo Nawara with two W's. Mo, we are 31-16 and 16 here on Beat the Closing Number with NFL spreads and totals this season. Two and two in week 13, so looking to get back in the green, but still has been a great season for us. And before we get into it, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market. We have college football bowl game previews going up with great Kelly Ford and Brett Gibbons. So be sure to check those out. NBA as well. College hoops with me. We'll have some more videos in the near future, but you could also get all of our bets in real time by subscribing in the role section on our Discord channel, the link is over at thelines.com. Mo, I don't think you've placed any bets, or at least posted any bets. Maybe you put one of the games that we're going to discuss at the top end earlier in the week. But still, a bunch to break down. We also have Doug Kazarian joining us, former Daily Wager host, and now with OnlyPlayers.com, and one of the best sports betting analysts out there later to come on this edition of Beat the Closing Number. But... Mo, I think you're still up in Wisconsin trying to get over that Chiefs loss from Sunday night, right? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> man, you should see the locals around here. They think they won the Super Bowl. It's a sad state of things what uh, what the franchise has come to. Winning a December home game, uh, people are walking around busting my balls, asking me, you know, oh, tough game the other day, huh? Just biggest grins on their faces. We'll see who's playing in January, guys. Relax. R-E-L-A-X. Channeling your inner Rodgers there. Aaron Rodgers. You would think they, would, of all people, would know. Yeah, that's true. Clearly not. We'll get back to the Packers. We'll touch on one of the two Monday Night Football games with the Packers and Giants in a bit. But if you want to get any promo codes for your NFL Week 14 bets, BetMGM Sportsbook is the place to go. Use promo code Lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, that's promo code the lines. One word again, and remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. If it cashes, of course, that bonus bet will not be applied to your account if it does cash, but in the case that it loses, you will get that bonus bet equivalent to up to $1,500 back. And remember that terms and conditions apply as always. So Mo kicking it off with an AFC team that is... In the hunt for the number one overall seed, just like your Kansas City Chiefs, even though they fell officially a game back after that Packers loss. But Baltimore sitting as a touchdown favorite against the Rams on early Sunday afternoon. This has dipped since the opener initially was released at 7.5, but it quickly bumped down to a flat touchdown. How are you betting this game? Yeah, some tug of war back and forth on this line uh, seems like there's sharps that like seven and a half and there's sharps that are maybe willing to take the minus seven cause it's kind of bouncing around. Um, but yeah, I still like the Rams. I unfortunately did take seven, but it was a cheap seven. Like I think it was like minus one Oh five. So I feel fine about it. Um, the total in this game, it has seen a ton of movement though. Dropping like a stone. I think it's down like three points, um, down close to 40 now. I think that's mostly due to the weather. It looks like heavy rain is what's coming with some potentially high winds, at least medium winds, and and could be 
some bigger gusts and stuff like that. But yeah, it looks like quite a bit of rain. I think like 90% chance of rain or something could be a downpour here. Uh, obviously once the total starts to compress like this, it's probably a good thing for the underdog, even if stylistically speaking, it might help the Ravens a little more since they have been a more effective rushing team at times. Although, you know, the Rams since getting Kyron Williams back, their offense seems to be clicking in basically all phases, and that and that includes the run. I mean, they obviously have faced some vulnerable uh, defenses, but not the Browns, you know, and they're still moving the rock at will on the Browns. A lot probably depends on the health of their pass catchers here. I think everyone's pretty banged up out of their top three, I guess I would say, which is like Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, and maybe Tyler Higby. I don't know. That third person has kind of been uh, – you know, two, two out well at times, but all those guys are maybe less than a hundred percent, which worries me a little bit. But like I talked about when we initially discussed this game, you have a, a defense that kind of actually struggles to create pressure uh, down in the twenties and pressure rate, I think uh, with the Ravens. So that's my biggest thing I'm looking for when I'm looking at the team that's facing the Rams, how effective can they be rushing the passer, Matt Stafford, is pretty bad now if he has to do anything on the move. And overall, I would say this is a spot where I'm honestly most fearful of of just like the general spot for the Rams because it is a long travel across the country and they are facing the Ravens off the bye. If this were to dip below seven, I would lose some interest in it. Um, but I still think it's good at seven, seven and a half, obviously. Um kind of depends on what you want to do, which number you want to take. Like if you can get a cheap seven, it might honestly be fine, like better in some ways than paying some extra juice for the hook in a game where I shouldn't be a lot of scoring. And there could be some Ravens walkovers if their pass rush is winning and getting to Matt Stafford. So I probably wouldn't want to pay juice if I can help it. So uh, just maybe hope the seven is good enough. And yeah, I, I do like the Rams though. It, it, it's just too high of a, of a line for me, I think. Yeah. You mentioned the total going down to around 40. I mentioned that opener or slight opener, I guess was initially 43 and a half, then maybe 43 Sunday night, early Monday morning, and then took a major slide as you mentioned, but Kind of some things going in your favor. You mentioned the Rams' efficient ground game with Williams back ever since the Cardinals game a couple weeks ago, I think. But Rams actually ranked fifth in EPA per play since getting Stafford back from that thumb injury over the last three weeks. Now, obviously, weather conditions have been on their side and bad weather may not favor or probably doesn't favor Stafford, especially going up against arguably the best defense in the NFL. But like you said, they were able to run on a pretty good Browns run defense, even though the home road splits for Cleveland are pretty stark. Now, on the flip side, you mentioned Baltimore coming off the bye. Come Sunday, they will have played one game in their last 24 days. And then we brought this up on the Monday episode to beat the closing number. Rams going cross country. So clear rest advantage for the Ravens on top of the fact that they have the, the bye, which plays into just playing one game, the Chargers game, over the last 24 days once Sunday rolls around. Now, the Mark Andrews injury, I am kind of curious how that impacts this Ravens offense in the long term. It may have just been a one-game blimp, but Lamar Jackson had his third sub-60% completion percentage against L.A. a couple weeks ago, and that was 
coming off of Andrews undergoing the ankle surgery and he could potentially be out for the rest of the regular season. We'll see if he winds up coming back, if the Ravens make a deeper run of the playoffs, but a couple of glaring concerns for Baltimore potential concerns. If that inefficiency remains an issue for Jackson and then if this Rams offense can keep this up in poor conditions, I would probably trend on the opposite side of that, that we will see some offensive aggression, especially against this defense at home with all the rest they've gotten. But still, a couple things on your side there. Yeah, I think the Mark Andrews injury obviously is going to be pretty big. I mean, you got a passing game that's pretty light in general on weapons, I think. And even though I do like what I've seen from Zay Flowers, uh, but especially in the red zone, that's where Mark Andrews definitely does his best work. And I think definitely in a game where, you know, not a lot of points are going to be expected, you know, getting that seven instead of that three is is massive. So uh, hoping, yeah, that maybe the Rams can hold to some field goals, put together a couple decent drives, and just squeak out um, a grindy cover where, you know, would it even surprise me if the Rams won? Not really. I mean, they really do seem to be clicking and playing their best football um, I really like the way Sean McVay has been calling these games. And then you have a Ravens team that I think hasn't played quite as well as its record for a lot of the season, you know, faced a lot of backup quarterbacks, stuff like that. So uh, happy to have the Rams in this spot. But at the same time, yeah, would I be stunned if the final score was like 24 to 10 here? Not really. I'm going to be rooting for Baltimore. I have those Ravens futures. Countering your last point, I will say the DVOA stuff numbers are adjusted for the opponent. So Baltimore still top of the rankings in that metric, at least, but not the DVOA is the end all be all. Also on that point, you got to remember, like, if you face backup quarterbacks, you know, they're they're crediting you for facing the full team. So they, they do make adjustments for that in their forward-looking projections, but not in their ladder-looking scoring stuff. Like, they're, they're going to get full credit for beating the Browns 28-3 to or whatever that game was when, you know, that was DTR who was just completely beyond clueless at that point, you know? Mo will forever hate the Ravens and probably me every year I bet them which will probably happen next year if they don't do anything in the playoffs. But on to another bad weather game. This is going to be pretty brutal for one particular quarterback with the Lions now sitting at a juice three. So favored at a field goal. There are some three and a halfs with the Bears juiced at plus three and a half. It's down from five, which I think was the number when it opened up, when the spread opened up on Sunday night. Total has continued to plummet, similar to the Rams and Ravens game. And the Lions covered against the Saints last week, and I bet the Bears at plus three and a half on Monday. I would still play it at the juice number above the key number of three, even at minus 120, laying a buck 120 to win a single unit, depending on, again, how much you're putting at stake on your individual NFL bets. But the Lions won their first matchup against the Bears in Week 11, outgaining the Bears in yards per play. But needing two touchdowns in the final three minutes, maybe three-plus minutes, because I think they scored just under the three-minute mark, that first touchdown kind of aids them in that yards per play category. The Bears, I think they were plus in the turnover differential department. But still, they were outgaining the Lions for much of that game and controlling the clock as well. 
But you look at Jared Goff in outdoor weather, which is what I was alluding to from the get-go. Nearly two-thirds of his career interceptions and fumbles have come outdoors. We're going to see snow, rain, and 21 mile-power winds at Soldier Field on the lakefront in Chicago. And he's also going up against a Bears defense that is allowing a bottom 10 EPA per carry and rushing success rate since getting Montez Sweat from the Commanders in Week 9, ahead of that Week 9 game against the Saints. Not that they weren't starting to play well the week before in Week 8, but this is a Bears defense that may sound cliche, but is starting to round into form with the personnel they have despite the fact that they still have poor coaching with Matt Eberflus, who is a defensive guy first. And on that note, I think it is going to be tougher for the Lions to run the ball against this kind of upper echelon Bears defense, at least over the last month or so, especially if Frank Ragnow, the Lions center, is out. I think he's missed practice at least on Wednesday, if not the last couple of days, as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. And on the other side of the ball, the Lions rank Number 30 now in dropback success rate allowed. Maybe the weather affects Justin Fields just as it should affect Jared Goff, but Lions have also struggled with mobile quarterbacks as we saw in the Dome against Fields in his first game back coming off of that finger injury. So I expect the Bears offense to continue their success that we saw the first time these two teams linked up, and then I think their defense plays well in poor conditions against a quarterback that... I hate to say you can rely on trends, but Goff's numbers in bad weather, I think, hold true yet again against the Bears. So how are you betting or at least looking at this game, Mel? I like the I like the under quite a bit, actually. I mean, you say the under, the total's been on the move, but, but has it? Because we're still looking at a pretty, I would say, medium-level total by nowadays standards, which kind of stuns me with the conditions and, like, what you talked about with Jared Goff with, I think, I think is legitimate. And you definitely uh, are more inclined to say that when you look at kind of where he's from, you know, he played his college football in California. Um, then he comes in, he has a home stadium indoors for his whole NFL career, basically. So I, I think that's uh, uh, definitely something I'm more inclined to believe in when we see something like that. Um, yeah, like you said, Wendy should be a ground bound battle here, man. I mean, both teams in the bottom six in pass rate over expectation here. So we all know the Lions want to pound the rock and, and the bears have had some success with how good their offensive line has been playing. Um, Jared Goff outdoors. I'm curious to see what they do here because it did really seem like the lions, uh, the, the bears had a good game plan for him before. Like, they had guys standing in the throwing lanes he was wanting to hit. So it's going to be on Detroit's uh, offensive coaching staff to, to make some adjustments here. And I think one of the adjustments they, they can make is is more running the ball. Because even like in the two-minute drill in that last game against the Bears, dude, they were pounding the rock and it was working. I mean, they had 5.2 yards per attempt in that game. It was like so weird to watch. They were in a hurry up but handing off. But, but it was getting chunks of yards. So... I also question whether Justin Fields can take advantage of this secondary um, as some other quarterbacks have been, particularly in the condition. So uh, definitely with a total that is not as low as some of those we've seen, especially in games like this, uh, I'm definitely interested in under 43 and a half here. I knew you made the case for Detroit being able to run the ball. I think the Bears defense and their metrics hold up here. But I think the Bears also, if you're looking 
maybe at a Chicago under same game parlay or something like that. Not that I'm betting that, not that Mo's betting that, because I don't necessarily think you like the Bears uh, correlated with that side of the total. But either way here, whether you like Detroit or Chicago, like you said, the script plays towards both teams trying to run the ball, whether they're efficient or not. And it plays to a lower scoring game as a result with the pace. So definitely agree with you on that look for the total. But on to another divisional game, Falcons and Bucks. I think you may be on the opposite side of me here yet again. So our two-week or so run looking at the same side definitely has come to an end. But I'm looking towards the Falcons. I bet the Falcons on Wednesday and you can find that bet in our Discord channel. Again, the link is over at thelines.com at the top right-hand corner. I played Falcons minus one and a half. It's down from two and a half, which is where it opened at. Maybe some soft threes initially on Sunday, but pretty much two and a half on Monday. And we're down a full point. The injury report definitely plays to that with the Falcons being extremely banged up. I know Drew Dahlman, their center, was back at practice on Thursday, but Jeff Okuda, their linebacker, Nate Landman, of course, Okuda being a cornerback, hasn't necessarily performed the greatest, but still one of their starting outside corners. Also, David Onyemata, who's now their best defensive lineman when it comes to pressuring the quarterback without Grady Jarrett, who's now out for the season, I believe. So all of those guys, those four players missing practice on Thursday, and then A.J. Terrell was practicing yet again in a yellow non-contact jersey. He's trying to come back from that concussion. But the fact that he has been practicing in a limited fashion, I think he'll have a shot to play in this game. But when you look at the quarterbacks with Mayfield and Ritter, I know it's easy to say that it's Mayfield makes for the better bet in this game, but Ritter still ranks around league average in success rate. And that kind of correlates to having a positive game script. So if they're able to run the ball and you also factor in two of his worst games of the year over the last couple of weeks, came against the Jets and Saints, and that was also when the Saints had a healthier defense. And then you look at this Bucks defense, allowing a top seven success rate, also EPA per play since week eight. Red zone defense also should be due for some regression as they rank number 29 in touchdown percentage allowed inside the 20-yard line. So they haven't allowed many touchdowns, of course, in the red zone. That's what that stat insinuates. But I think the Falcons could be due for some positive regression in that category as they haven't been great inside the red zone. And on top of that, looking at that stat in particular, the Falcons had three red zone turnovers in that last meeting against the Bucs, I believe, in week seven. So potential red zone regression, not only overall for Tampa uh, defensively, but also when you look at that first matchup when the Falcons turned the ball over three times in the red zone. And maybe the Bucks and Baker Mayfield get a little bit of red zone turnover luck, positive variance on their own end, especially if Terrell and Okuda, neither of the Falcons starting cornerbacks, suit up. But I think this offense has been a little bit overrated when it comes to their power rating, just how you look at Tampa Bay overall. Because as I mentioned with Philly, before the 49ers game last week, uh, they got a lot of breaks when it came to recovering their own fumbles. And Tampa Bay is, in the same respect, has gotten their fair share of positive variance, recovering just over 58% of their own fumbles, which is tied for the ninth highest clip in the NFL with the Cardinals. So I like Atlanta's offense to bounce back after a subpar performance against the Jets. And that run defense is one of the better run defenses in the NFL. So if you can 
maintain that positive game script, like I mentioned, for the get-go for Ritter. I don't know if that turnover rate necessarily comes to fruition unless the Falcons get unlucky with fumbles. But what say you here for Falcons Bucks, Mel? Well, I really hope... Uh... I, I mean, I shouldn't say this because I don't want to anti-sweat you, but I really hope that for my season bet, the Bucks do manage to pull off the W here because I did bet the Saints a few weeks back. Um, as far as this matchup goes, yeah, like you said, much higher opener, maybe as high as three in some spots. Market definitely in on the Bucks so far. Uh, you know, it, it's been dropping all week. You've got some critical injuries on both sides. You mentioned uh, several of them. I think maybe the biggest one could be Vita Vea. He missed practice on Wednesday and just absolutely um, a monster in the middle, you know, helps, especially when you're facing a team like the Falcons that really wants to come in, hammer the ball up the middle, and, you know, they're going to need their run defense to be on point, obviously. So, this to me is just kind of two evenly matched teams in what is definitely the biggest game of the season to date for both sides. Maybe you could say Saints Falcons, but yeah, the Bucks season is pretty much over if they lose this game. So this is obviously a massive one for them. Um, would have been interested in the Bucks around three. Now I think just staying away. Uh, as far as the matchup goes, you do have Desmond Ritter playing against very blitz heavy team in this spot you know the bucks with todd bowles are gonna bring a lot of blitzes uh his pff grading has been better when he's been blitzed which i think is interesting because he does kind of i think tend to turtle up in some spots when he's under pressure but maybe that just means his offensive line is doing a great job picking up these blitzes i mean they do have one of the better pass blocking grades so that matchup could be one to watch especially uh when you have a guy like devin white who also is banged up and missing practice, who knows if he's going to play. You know, because of his speed, he can be an effective blitzer at times. So, yeah, just going to hope for the best for my future here and just thinking probably this is a pretty fair market, although a lot of the stuff you're saying is making me wonder if, honestly, over 41 could be a play here. Just you have indoor uh, and a, a Bucks team that has moved the ball well in a lot of spots through the air, but... You want to talk about regression. I mean, these guys can't catch the ball. So if anybody ever catches the ball for Baker, I mean, maybe they're moving the rock here. And we have seen the Falcons. I mean, this same matchup, they were moving the ball pretty much at will last time these two teams played. It wasn't a good game from the Tampa Bay defense. I think the Falcons were definitely the better team in that game. That was a well-deserved W for them. So, uh, yeah, maybe we do see some points in this matchup, more so than the line would indicate. The total's been bet up from around 39 and a half, too. So you're not necessarily getting the best of the number, but both defenses, especially when it comes to their red zone defense, do for some negative variance. I hope it's more so for Atlanta's sake, but over would seem like a play if you're okay with not getting around what it opened at, which I think was around 39 and a half. But 
We'll see how their injury reports shake out as well over the rest of the week. That would be big if Vita Vea does miss this matchup because this Bucks defensive front is very vulnerable. And I think that would also insinuate that the Falcons run game does bounce back after what they did against the Jets, really struggling. And even going back to that first matchup against the Bucks, really struggling on the ground when that Bucks defensive front was healthier. But on to the final matchup that we're going to handicap, Mo, looking at Packers and Giants. This point spread sitting around where it opened at, which is Packers minus six and a half. There are some juiced Packers minus six and a half point spreads starting to pop up pretty much all minus 110 both ways. A total that under 40, which is very on par with the rest of the market, uh, with the rest of these games this week, maybe outside of a couple on the East Coast. But how are you handicapping this one? Maybe you're looking to get some revenge here, despite you betting the Packers, you being a Chiefs fan, not enjoying the result, outright result on Sunday night. Dude, nobody's been nobody's been riding the Packers more than me. I think I've hit them all three of their last few wins. So uh, been very uh, above market on the Packers, definitely for the past month or so. Um, at the same time, that's kind of what's leading me into thinking this is a tricky spot for them. I mean, they're coming in riding high. You know, three straight W's, uh, quality W's too. Um, and now facing a bad team on the road, which is like two big red flags for a potential for a flat spot. And then you add in how high they're riding right now and facing a giants team that man, nobody is more talking about how bad Tommy DeVito is than me, but, um, they have had two weeks to prep for this, you know, and and even getting some extra time with this being a Monday nighter. So I'm kind of trying to hit the spot here and take the dog money on the Giants. Uh, I was really disappointed in the way the Chiefs approached that game defensively, to be honest with you. Just expected a way better game plan. It felt like they went in with the most vanilla approach ever. It did not seem like they were very interested in bringing pressure, blitzing Jordan Love, a quarterback who has been pretty poor at times when you can get in his face. But it didn't really seem like the Chiefs really brought that many blitzes aside from that big uh, fourth and one conversion, which, you know, if you're forcing guys to throw, I'm not going to say Hail Mary because it was a good throw, but like, you know, basically a moon ball into practically triple coverage, you know, that's a result you can live with if they're going to complete those. And, and they just didn't really want to do that very much, it seemed like. So, um, you know, obviously the Chiefs better defense, more talented defense than what the Giants are running out there. But only the only the Vikings blitz more than the Giants. I know they're going to try to come after Love. So I, I think that probably helps them in this spot. And uh, an injury that could affect Green Bay as well with Christian Watson going down. Um, I don't believe he's going to be able to play this week. And especially with the way Green Bay's been playing offense, I mean, every time I've been watching them, they're getting a lot of mileage out of these deep drops with Jordan Love, uh, you know, offensive line building a wall, and then he's got time to look downfield. And, and you see it in his A dot, nine A dot. That's, I think, third highest in the NFL. Um, so they're getting a lot of mileage out of their deep passing game. I think the Vikings are going to, uh, or the the Giants are going to make them play a little bit different here. And add in, you know, another game with bad weather, 15 mile an hour winds, raining all day in New York. So I think the total obviously reflects that. You see a 36 and a half there. I think I'm going to take the dog money. This is an Eli special. I would assume you're with me on this one since, uh, you know, the uglier the team, usually the happier you are. 
Doesn't get much <laughs> uglier than Tommy DeVito here. You do have the Giants, too, running the ball well at times. I know the numbers are pretty rough. What They are what they are. But, man, Green Bay's run defense is pretty bad. I mean, the Chiefs have not exactly overpowered a lot of teams. Isaiah Pacheco and the offensive line, there was holes. They were really killing Green Bay in that sense. And this is overall a mediocre to weak run defense. You know, they rank, you know, bottom 10 in EPA. Maybe maybe the potential for some big plays here and there, although I won't hold my breath there in the passing game with Jalen Hyatt. He has been helping out uh, Tommy DeVito and, and providing a little bit of juice that they really, really lacked in that department. You know, nobody winning downfield, nobody making big plays in the passing game. So, I mean, the, the sacks that, that DeVito is taking are terrifying. So they are going to have to hopefully iron that out at least a little bit. But, yeah, I'm going to gonna swallow hard and take the dog money here i think your handicap is spot on i haven't pulled the trigger on giants but you mentioned the giants being able to run the ball it's kind of to the similar point if the bears are able to do so against the lions as a dog giants are getting six but in today's nfl with two-point conversions it's still a big number regardless of whether it's a key number or not and offensive line is also getting healthier i know the giants rank bottom three when it comes to run block win rate, but assuming Evan Neal is back at right tackle, the offensive line is the healthiest it's been with Andrew Thomas also at left tackle in a long time, especially when you go back to that Bills game on Sunday Night Football, somehow able to remain competitive in. And like you said, this Packers run defense is vulnerable. They were playing a bit better with Devondre Campbell back in the lineup outside of that Chiefs game last Sunday night. But if the Giants can maintain that positive game script, shortening the clock, the total around 37, it definitely plays to the home underdog. The only thing I worry about is turnover variance kind of swinging the other way for the Giants. Go back to that matchup two weeks before the bye getting plus six, I think, in the turnover differential department against the commanders and then finishing with a plus turnover differential against the Patriots as well. But you also wonder if, I think you brought this up, if the Packers come out flat in this spot or not. And also, they should seemingly get some offensive regression, whether you like the Giants' defense or not either. And this secondary is horrendous especially with the step back that Adoree Jackson has taken this year. But the amount of scoring possessions they had against the Chiefs last week, we have to see some semblance of negative variance go their way. And it may come from the get-go if they come out a bit flat. So I'm with you, man. If I do wind up betting this game, it's probably going to be on New York. Yeah, and we've seen some underdogs come out and grab leads. And at at that point, especially when you have a situation where it's going to be hard to pass downfield in the conditions and whatnot, the Giants would would be in a really good spot if they can ambush Green Bay a little bit. So uh, just hoping the spot does help them out here, which I I really think it should. I mean, you know that stuff like a buy and and whatnot is is generally going to be accounted for in the line. But uh, just specifically here with even extra time, like I said, and, and a Green Bay team that is just absolutely peaking. And the market's finally given them some respect here after multiple weeks of just not believing whatsoever. So uh, may, maybe it is time to sell them. I'm hoping it is. Yeah, and you mentioned getting pressure on Love. I know the Packers' offensive line is playing better, which is a point that we brought up last week, handicapping Chiefs-Packers. But Wink Martindale, known for his blitz packages 
And the Giants have the 11th ranked pass rush win rate, potentially getting Dexter Lawrence back their nose tackle this week. So coming off the bye on both sides of the ball in the trenches, the Giants could be getting healthier, which is big. So that's going to do it for this half of the Beat the Closing Number podcast as Mo and I handicap our four favorite bets looking at the Rams, Bears, Falcons, and Giants. Now it's time to be joined by the great Doug Kazarian. You can follow him on X Twitter, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it these days, at Doug Kazarian, the founder of OnlyPlayers.com. Doug, I hear it all the time, and I see it all the time on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Why isn't Doug on Daily Wager anymore? Where is Doug at these days? So fill the people in, man. So I, <laughs> I appreciate those questions. You know, it's funny. I I still get asked, like, what are you up to these days? I'm like, really? Because I feel like I tweet too much. I, I just it's not in my <laughs> DNA to just over over communicate uh, what I'm doing. It's more to, just more about commenting on what's going on in the betting world or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty common for someone to do a couple decades of the corporate life and then go do sort of the startup venture, right? You you glean as much as you can along the way. You meet certain people that you want to kind of go do your own thing. Frankly, I have three brothers who have all gone sort of the, the entrepreneurial route and do their own. And they're all older, too. So they've all done it before me. And, you know, the landscape, as you guys know, is different now. And but it's still early. It's five and a half years in. And I'm of the belief that it has gone down a certain path. So it kind of like started and then it's gone down a path where it's more like at least the common, not necessarily your guys' situation, but it's more just like everyone's giving out their favorite lottery numbers. Um, and there's really sort of, and this is, goes for the the um, operators, the, the gaming operators and everyone else. It's not approached in a way where it's like, hey, like this is, this is like a fine, like a, like a, a stock channel, finance channel, right? Like MSNBC or Fox Business, it's more going sort of the casual, fun, screwy way. And I just think there's a way to do it where you can simulate the day to day existence of a sports better and actually have information that people want. Now, there's different ways of packaging that information instead of just making it a sidebar. So, yeah, we launched a betting company, not a sports company that has to, happens to do a few minutes a day on betting. And we're trying to uh, uh, deliver more directly and specifically to what the consumer wants. Well, not only have you been around for in the sports media industry for a long time, but you started off as a sports center anchor, I think. And again, I may be wrong on that front, but I believe so. So what's your path been like in not just sports betting, but again, sports media, I always find that intriguing. And I think our listeners that haven't had a chance to hear you yet will as well. Yeah, so I started out in sort of the conventional way, right? I was an econ major, but I always wanted to do some form of journalism, but specifically broadcasting. So I uh, come in, even in high school, I grew up in L.A. I, I was a paid stringer, they're called, for the L.A. Daily News, where I would go to high school games and call in a story, a deadline and things like that. And they had a big high school section. And I was also sports editor in my paper and things like that. And then I got to college, I did radio. And then eventually after college, I started out in the conventional path, like I mentioned, doing it's kind of like minor league baseball, right? You start off in single A, double A, and triple A, and you, get, you work your way up. And that's what I did. I started out in Columbia, Missouri, went to Quad Cities, Iowa. Anyone who's ever seen Tommy Boy, they, they know about Davenport, Iowa. You got to get yourself another map. And so I was in that area and then for four years. And then I did Vegas 
for seven. So I was a local sports anchor here in town. And that was before the Golden Knights, before the Aces, before anything. It was like literally UFC and that's about it. So I made betting my, the home team. Like I covered sports betting on a daily basis. I interviewed odds makers. I interviewed pro bettors. I did a daily pick on the show every night. I sometimes did bad beats. I did like, you know, we're talking about so much about the Steelers Patriots over under. Like I would do storylines like that, that resonated, right? Not to the level where it is now. But if there was a noteworthy story or a noteworthy bad beat on a game that was high profile, I would mention it because, again, it was legal and it was local sports. So I would have topic bars about bad beats and things like that. So I was doing this in like 05 to 2012 and I was doing a pick of the night. And then I launched a betting show with a couple guys who now work at VEASAN. So we did that at midnight. And it's funny, the current project I'm doing, the current venture is very similar to that in terms of taping at night posting to the website and doing things along those lines. And then we ended up getting bought out and doing ESPN drive time radio in Vegas. And then uh, I got the call from ESPN. So I went to ESPN, was a conventional sports center anchor and sort of put aside my betting path and did radio, did game day radio, did sports center, did baseball tonight, did all this stuff. I was in the ecosystem of ESPN. And then once legalization happened and then I was able to pivot and sort of merge all of my worlds and do betting content at ESPN. And it just made a ton of sense. I had all the training, uh, wonderful producers, all that good stuff. And I was able to kind of incorporate it and, and you know launch Daily Wager and do everything along those lines. Yeah, and one of the instrumental people, really, when it comes to sports betting media, well, especially you. when you consider how long you've been doing this, man. And taking a look now at the NFL odds board, not week 14 odds to start, but looking at MVP odds, you've been doing a lot of video work on your site. Taking a look at Brock Purdy, especially when his odds were all over the place over the last week. But now he seems to be the consensus favorite. There are some books that have Purdy and Prescott, both with the shortest odds to win NFL MVP. Hurts right behind them, then Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. So what do you make of this race, especially the way it's come to be over the last few weeks? So I think right now is when you really got to kind of pull on some threads. Um, it's very unlikely a long shot wins from this point forward. I think Tyreek Hill and McCaffrey around that 16 to one range is about as low as it'll go. I don't think CJ Stroud's going to come and make a late surge, kind of like we've seen sometimes with Heisman's. So right now it's important to just understand that these are fake markets. This is not Super Bowl champ index. It's just not. Um, the odds, this is more like the draft where you see a guy who's minus 500 and then becomes plus 300 in a moment's notice. It's a fickle market. So what, what does move the needle as fickle as it is? It's wins and losses for quarterbacks. So you're looking at the board and, and Dak, I understand the momentum for sure, but look who he has the rest of the way. There's five games remaining. I'm like, four of them are tough. And when you factor that in, let's say they win this week. I think he's going to become the favorite after this weekend. And so they win. And then he's got what, like some brutal games coming up. Right. And you just wonder like, is it sustainable? And I think that's where people need to be smart about this. You're not trying to just beat next week's price. If that's all you're trying to do to buy this week and then sell on a yes, no or something, then fine. Bet, bet Prescott if you think he's going to win. But I don't think that's what everyone's going for. I think we're all trying to like figure out who's going to win and what ticket can you cash. So when you look at the Cowboys record after this week, a home game against the Eagles, right? They're at the Bills, at the Dolphins. Are they going to win both? And then home to the Lions on Christmas, which will be an island game or Christmas weekend or whatever it is. So 
I mean, he can go four and one the rest of the way. So it doesn't have to be a money line parlay, but you have to think about the money line parlay of the remaining games. And that's why I don't think there's any value on Dak. I think there'll be value on Purdy next week, but there's a chance like Dak plays really well. They lose a nail biter. You know, there's, it's not as binary as I'm making it out to be, but I, I would not bet Purdy this week. I would wait, consider it next week. I did bet Tyreek yesterday, 20 to one. Um, I found a rogue number and I'm, on an island, thinking McCaffrey has a shot. Some people I really respect thinks he doesn't. He has a shot to get some votes, take some away from Purdy, things like that. Um, it's shaping up in my eyes to be a non-quarterback year or at least a unique year where a guy like Purdy can win. Not that Purdy's not good. It's just like, is he really the reason they have the record? Like, I don't. But it's the key is here is the other quarterbacks that are of the top seeds are not putting up gaudy statistics. So it's really a, an unusual year that Jalen Hurts' um, stats are like, okay, Mahomes has four losses, but he's obviously more value, most valuable than anyone. But I think it's shaping up to where, like, I think if Tyreek gets the record with 2,000, it's like, okay, he, he could do this because Miami has four of their final five games at home. And, you know, one of those is the Cowboys. The, the road game is Baltimore. But you want those high-profile games. It probably comes down to that Monday nighter with the Niners at home against the Ravens. San Fran will be about a five-point favorite. If Purdy plays really well, he'll win. If he doesn't and Dak plays well, the previous – it's just there's a few games left. But I think you just have to be really careful thinking this through. But I think primetime matters more than people realize. A couple years ago, Collinsworth uh, <laughs> raved about uh, Aaron Rodgers against the Titans in a snow game. Titans had no idea what was going on. They're slipping and sliding everywhere. And he just was a Sunday night game, and he basically influenced the world. Like <laughs> anything, like anything, no one wants to look like a dummy, okay? So when you go back to the college football playoff committee, there's a confirmation bias involved in all this. But, like, think about it. The committee members, who do they feel safer with? Who do they feel more comfortable saying it should go to the playoffs? Alabama, right? They don't want to look stupid and see Florida State out there in a month, even though they're more deserving or whatever, like see him get boat raced and they'll feel stupid. So no one wants to be made fun of. No one wants to be mocked. It's a very public voting forum. So people want to feel comfortable. So if they see a guy like Collinsworth saying do X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah. So like these high profile games and the Purdy momentum is certainly gaining steam. So that's part of this because there are a lot of voters who really don't know what they're doing. Yeah. This is uh maybe the biggest referendum <clears throat> we've ever had on a non-quarterback winning. I feel like mm -hmm. if one can't win this year, then one will never win, to be honest. So I'm with you in general, I guess, the way you're looking at it. Um, looking at some of this week's games, I definitely have an opinion on this Rams-Ravens matchup. It is a pretty big one as far as playoff picture goes. Obviously, Ravens pretty much in there. Rams looking to slide in there. Um I like the Rams. There's been a lot of tug of war around seven with this number. Uh, so what do you think right. of that movement? And uh, is there a number you like on this one? You know, there's a lot of betting trends out there. And sometimes they kind of just are just there to there. But I think there's something to this one with the Ravens, you know, one and eight against the spread in their last nine games when favored by at least a touchdown. Now, obviously, in our world, we recognize the difference between seven and seven and a half. You mentioned the tug of war. But just the concept of what this says is like, all right, Ravens play down to their opponents. Yeah, that that feels right. That's That definitely resonates because they kind of do, right? Um, the Colts game earlier this year where they lost outright was a total sandwich spot. I get it. The Arizona game where they didn't cover was a backdoor cover. They were taking care of business. 
So there's a path here where they do take care of business. They're off the buy historically. They haven't been that great off a of buy. So these are all sort of little spices you can put in when you try to figure out the sauce. I, I would take the Rams or pass. I probably would tease the Ravens. Um, it's just, you know, frankly, Lamar has not played more than 12 games each of the past two seasons. And now we are through 12 games. Uh, they are the one seed tied with Miami. Um, I am, I believe in the Ravens in the regular season to a certain extent. I think they're more balanced, especially with the rushing attack. But Lamar is not as dynamic as he once was like peak, you know, MVP season. I, I under, I would not be surprised if they cover. So I really try to pick my spots and not bet a lot of games. Like I'm not doing these $1 parlays. Like I was mentioning earlier, where there are these <laughs> lottery tickets, right? Where, you know, these companies push all these parlays, but they, they can sleep at night because they know they're only selling like $1 lottery tickets or whatever. So it's not like they're, you know, peddling drugs and crack and meth on the streets. I, I, if I'm going to get involved in the game, I'm going to bet, you know, nine, 99 times out of a hundred, I'm going to bet straight bet Ravens. I would not, I would, let's put it this way. Rams definitely in a pick em league. I would probably bet the Rams at seven and a half. I'd probably bet them at seven and a half. I'm into the Rams, but I do def- I do definitely see some scenarios where it could get out of hand if the pass rush for the Ravens is getting home because we have seen St- Stafford crumble in these spots before. But you know, at the same time, their their pass rushing numbers aren't that good this year. Surprisingly, with how good the defense has been, different one. Well, the Rams are one of the biggest surprises this year. So we've it, it's taken us a while to get to that point with the Rams, right? Yeah, and I just seeing them the right way. I feel like their offense is definitely clicking the last few weeks in a way that it really wasn't before, even when they were having some good games. So I, I think we're seeing kind of a peak version of this Rams team and a team that's not, they've also won three in a row. So you gotta be careful yeah. with the spot play too. For sure. And speaking of teams that have been on a roll, one team that's definitely on a roll right now against the spread is the bears and Eli is riding the high there uh, this week. So I was kind of not, a fan but the market is definitely with him so um did you have any thoughts on that one i i don't know man the, the weather is going to be rough though so this to me might be just a stay away but at the same time that could favor the bears well the weather being rough is the reason i i'm, I'm on the bears i i think jared goff i mean we talk about um trends and things like that it's inarguable how bad he is in bad weather um we saw week 18 last year, the Sunday night game where the Packers had to win to go to the playoffs. Like golf, like they were they were doing anything but letting golf throw downfield. And he was terrible. He's thrown behind receivers. So in really cold weather, he's horrendous. In sloppy weather, he's shaky. Now, I'm not talking about going to L.A. and playing in that kind of weather or a dome game last week in New Orleans. Outdoor, cold weather. The reason I was kind of interested in um, a golf, uh, the Lions this year is because they didn't have a ton of sort of late December cold weather games, but he is a giant weakness in those situations. So I'm bears and I'm under in this game. I, I, I can't stress enough how different golf is in this type of environment. And you're right. Like you should be getting more points with the bears, but they were banged up a lot, lot large part of the season. And the lions, I used this word last week going into last week. They're not really like a mature team teams like Philly, usually Kansas City, play with success well. So 
off a couple wins in a row, like they know how to handle their business and get the win. And they, they, they finished 13 and four and things like that. This Lions team has laid some eggs this year, right? Thanksgiving, the week before almost losing to the Bears. Week two, off the big road win at Arrowhead, they lay an egg at home to Seattle. So they're just not a team that's professional, polished, mature, whatever you want to do. But off a loss, they're really good. They actually have won five or six straight, one and covered after an outright loss. So, okay, so you rattle their cage. They're like, okay, we need to focus now. And then they get take care of business. So last week was a really good time to bet on them. Off a win, I'm not in a rush to bet on them. I, I think they need a little bit more seasoning and experience kind of handling success to cover numbers, especially as a road favorite. Yeah, I'm with you, Doug. I mean, on top of this past defense ranking well below league average and then some, the schedule too doesn't really lend itself to, and not that the Bears are any sort of upper echelon opponent, but they haven't impressed from a schedule standpoint. Their one, I guess, quote unquote, elite win came against the Chiefs, and that was also kind of gifted to them with the ball going off of Tony's hands and resulting in Alliance pick six on opening night. So with you on the Bears getting a key number and another NFC North team on the flip side of that laying a key number against the team in the town that you're at, the Raiders. So it's Vikings and Raiders on late Sunday afternoon, or I guess in the afternoon, depending on where you're at and you being on the West Coast. How are you evaluating this game? Yeah, I mean, Vikings got the early money. So this line was two and a half, a sharp, sharp, sharp betting group, bet it early, moved it to three. I, I'm not in a rush to bet on Josh Dobbs here. I mean, great story, all that. But, like, let's face it. Like, we've seen him struggle like we did on Monday night against the Bears. And I think somewhere in between that and the previous week's performance is where Dobbs is. So laying chalk on the road, especially the full three, not in a rush. But this Raiders team's shaky. Yes, Antonio Pierce has injected some life. And the coach that they hated is gone. But that doesn't mean they're all of a sudden like a playoff quality team, blah, blah, blah. They've gone under their team total in all but one game. So the offense has issues. Aiden O'Connell's still a rookie. Yes, he has some weapons here and there, but they're just limited across the board. I, if I had to play this like in a pick em league, I would probably take the three points, even though I know sharp money came in on minus two and a half. But I can't bet this. I, I can't step up to the window and bet this. And just to wrap it up, Doug, among the two, I guess, like upper echelon games with Sunday Night Football, Cowboys and Eagles, and obviously Bills, Chiefs, both around a key number, I guess, Bills, Chiefs getting bet down from three all the way down to Kansas City minus one and a half as it was at three earlier in the week or maybe late Sunday night. But any takes or bets on either of those games or are you staying away? You know, this Chiefs team has issues. Uh, we've seen some Mahomes pull the rabbit out of the hat, but they're definitely just like, I feel like they've lost sort of that bounce in their step. Now, the Bills, on to an nth degree, have done the similar. similar. They just shoot themselves in the foot, right? I don't know how they lost the Patriots this year, let alone the week one against the Jets where Allen had all the turnovers and even the uh, you know overtime game with the Eagles. Like, they had that game in the bag, too. So, this is not a team I want to back on the road against Mahomes only catching one and a half, but I think they're the better team as crazy as that sounds but but the Chiefs have you have to give them credit for winning those games because the Bills haven't so I actually would look at the over I think they're gonna let it let it let it uh, let it go a little bit I don't think the Chiefs want like like the defensive thing with it they've been getting into some low scoring games and I don't think they're in a rush to do that anymore I think they're gonna let Mahomes uh cook so to speak and the Bills obviously have a limited defense at times and I think we're going to see some points. So even in 2000, the year of 2023, I'm going to actually bet an over. 
<laughs> and you could find the best of the number, of course, over at the lines.com price shop. I think we're looking at 48 and a half right now. There are some 49s, but 48 and a half is the best number if you're looking about the overweight Doug. And one of my favorite analysts around, man, really appreciate the time. Doug Kazarian at Doug Kazarian on X Twitter, founder of onlyplayers.com. Excellent, excellent handicap of the NFL week 14 card along with really, really deep dive on the NFL MVP race. So really appreciate the time today, Doug. All right. Thanks, Eli. I appreciate it, man. That was really nice of you to say all those things. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me on. So that's going to do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number. Big thanks to Doug Kazarian for hopping on. And Mo, any last words before we get out of here? Not really. I just uh, really hope the Chiefs can bounce back in this spot against the Bills. That's one game we didn't really talk about. But if they have any hope for the one seed, you know, they probably need this one. But... Hey, uh, even if the Chiefs lose, you know, I can stop hearing people complain about Mahomes not ever playing on the road in the playoffs. There's the Chiefs fandom, kind of circling back to the beginning of the podcast. But any look towards the over? Are you going to hop on with Doug at a total of 48 and a half with <laughs> I think two it's high scoring it, offenses? Yeah, it's definitely the number's been moving up a little bit. I think it was kind of, I think it was maybe 47 and a half earlier in the week. And uh, when I was looking over the weather, surprisingly compared to a lot of the Midwest and the East coast this week, I think it was like super calm and good for offense. So I I would guess that there could be some points here and would lean that way uh, on the total. Yeah. If Mo does add anything with chiefs bills, be sure to check out those bets in the lines, Discord channel. The link is over at the lines.com in the top right hand corner. And be sure if you haven't, signed up with BetMGM Sportsbook and they're looking to take advantage of our promo code, the lines first time users get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, that's promo code, the lines one word. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always terms and conditions apply. If you haven't taken advantage of that, be sure to do so before you get down on your NFL week 14 bets. And on that note, good luck with your wagers. Hopefully our bets go well this week and we'll be, Probably chirping about some bad beats if the officiating continues like it has over the last couple of weeks in the NFL. But for Mo, you can follow him at Monoir2Ws. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody.